ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. Welcome back, Wildcat Faithful, to the Wildcat Radio 2.0 podcast. My name is Ronnie Stoffel. We are recording in the Vivid Seat Studios to help me out today once again. As always, Mr. Adam Green's on the line. Adam, how you doing, man? Good, good. I think if you ask anybody who's an Arizona fan how they're doing right now, they'd have to say nothing worse than good because, what, four wins in a row for football, basketball's getting going again. Like This is about as good as it gets for Arizona fans at this time of year. Yeah, a four-game winning streak. I mean, I definitely, you know, we, we each had Arizona starting off pretty hot through these first four games. Now, it's one yes. thing to predict that and then for it actually to come to fruition because, you know, that, that that's a whole different ball game. So, yes, no, you are 100% right. Everything feels like aces right now uh, on both fronts, you know, basketball being back on the upswing. Uh, but, yeah, no, very exciting stuff. Uh, Adam, before we get to a couple housekeeping items, Vivid Seats mobile app for all the first-time users out there, you will get $100 off your first purchase by using promo code overtime that is o-v-e-r-t-i-m-e again first time users only for the first purchase you will get a hundred dollars off your first purchase um adam let's go ahead and move forward here a quick a few announcements in case anybody who did not listen to the colorado recap um bryant had some big news for the podcast and in, in the uh, this this portion of the podcast i guess i should say uh wildcat radio is very happy to introduce mr saul bookman currently working for fox sports arizona used to work for the daily wildcat uh, a lot of our listeners will probably recognize the name uh this is an attempt for for us to kind of revamp things, I guess, if you will, on, on the Wildcat radio side. Uh, Bryant and Rob are going to focus more on elevating the 12-pack 12 uh, pack portion of our operations here. They've done a very good job with that to date. Uh, but yeah, no, this is exciting news. Uh, Adam, I, I know you, you and Saul, I mean, you, you, you've at least crossed paths uh, oh, in yeah. the past. Many times. He's a, he's a great guy, a great Wildcat. He has experience, I know, covering some deeper tournament runs for the Wildcats. So he's been on the front lines there around the program. And now I know his role with Fox Sports Arizona, he's covering everybody out here in this great state. But no, a very talented writer, a very good radio host. And I'm excited to have him join the team. And we should make sure people realize, I guess, the 2.0 thing, we're still here. We're, we're, still not, here. we're not going anywhere. <laughs> so if you're hoping the revamp would involve you know, us going away, well, then you're probably listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> but if you were hoping for us to go away, if you kind of hate listening, Sorry, we're we're still here. 
We're still here. You can just. But happy to have Saul on the team. Very, very happy to have Saul. And, and great clarification point there, Adam. Yes. Um, <laughs> basically, how this is going to work, Adam and I will continue doing the, the later in the week or, or the preview podcast, if you will, for the upcoming opponent. And Saul is going to step in and take over for, uh, for, for Adam, or excuse me, Bryant and Rob as far as the recaps go. And then, of course, you know, we're going to start gearing up for basketball, too. So you'll probably see some, some cross functional uh, podcasts there as well. But uh, no, it's very exciting stuff there happy to have them aboard like i said adam just jumping ahead to just a couple of the housekeeping items before we jump in uh of course wildcat radio subscribe for free through itunes google play stitcher tune in all podcast catchers uh be sure to follow the podcast as well social media check out our facebook page wildcat radio over on twitter at wildcat radio az as well as our website as mentioned the wildcat radio az.com has been retired all of that content has been transferred over to Mr. Rob Bowron's uh, exclusive home of the Beta Rank, the Sharp Football, excuse me, sharpcollegefootball.com. That will house all of the Beta Rank information as well as these podcasts, any of the written content, anything that you saw on wildcatradioaz.com. And then, of course, the survivor pool. Um, I, I'm just going to throw that out there, Adam. We've been out of this for a while. So oh, I, yeah. Good luck and congratulations to anybody who's, who's still in there. Um, we got smoked. So uh, moving on, Adam, <clears throat> before we jump into football, because obviously this time of the year it is a very football-driven podcast, especially with the 4-1 start. And to help us break down Washington, we also have a special guest we will get to. But, Adam, uh, Pac-12 Media Day for women's basketball and, and men's basketball happened this week. Um, let's actually start with basketball. Um, quick thoughts. I mean, I guess I don't want to put too much into preseason rankings, any of that stuff. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I know that, you know, in the college football realm, when you're talking about national contention, um, you know, there, there's, you know, there's some merit, there's some weight, some things that could come into play later. Uh, when you're talking about college basketball, I, I don't necessarily, you can work your way up so quick. It doesn't oh, matter yeah. if you're ranked, not ranked, um, but it, it needs to be noted, right? Uh, Oregon was picked to finish first in the Pac-12, followed by Colorado, Washington, Arizona and USC Adam at first thoughts the, that top five uh, I mean I guess I probably would have picked those five in some order not necessarily in that order I, I was a little surprised to see Oregon up top uh, and, and and quite frankly USC so low but again I don't want to put too much stock into it uh, Colorado also shocked me a little bit I know that they're returning some key pieces Tyler Bay and uh, McKinley Wright but Adam overall when you look at you mean even top to bottom what were your initial thoughts yeah, I guess it was funny because I know the women's team was picked to finish sixth, and everyone was like, all right, sixth, that's great. And then the men's team is picked to finish fourth. Everybody's kind of like, what, what, what's up with that? But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm as big a believer in this team as anybody, but at the same time, there's a lot they need to prove. So you look at them, there's so many new players on this team. Like, they weren't good last season. We know that. Mm-hmm. They, you all watch them play. So we're excited about the potential of this team, but that's all it is right now. So... The idea that Oregon, our Grand Oregon, has a lot of younger players, too, that they're relying on, but they seem to be a little bit more prudent because they weren't as bad as Arizona was last season. Colorado brings guys back. Washington has a good recruiting class and brings some guys back. So I get it. But at the same time, I, you look at the points between these teams. What, Arizona got 263, Washington 273. That's not a big difference. Yeah. Like There's no one running away with the Pac-12, according to the voters. I think it's very top heavy there in terms of the teams that people think could really contend and win the conference. So Arizona being fourth, I'm fine with it. You know, they have a lot to prove and that's what the games are going to be for. 
Yeah, no, and I think that's fine, right? I mean, again, a little surprised by the Colorado. I know Tad Boyle's done a great job, and like I said, they're returning a couple key pieces. Um, but yeah, I, you know, this whole thing's going to shake out. If anything, if, if anything, what I will say, uh, which is encouraging by these rankings, is the fact that maybe the Pac-12 finally has gotten back to where it was, you know, in that 2016-2017 year, uh, where it's no longer, you know, just one or two people up at the top, but but rather there's a chance of maybe putting four or five different teams in the tournament, which ultimately is going to come into play for seeding uh, for that March Madness tournament, and then especially, you know, when, when we all start beating up on each other, because that's inevitable, that, that always happens. Oh, yeah. And think of just the respect that Sean Miller has among the voters, too, because with all the new faces that Arizona has this season, all the guys that are freshmen they're going to be relying on, they're still ranked fourth. And it's a close fourth. Where USC, they're ahead of USC, they're ahead of ASU, who is this program on the rise last we were supposed to hear from them, right? So these teams, UCLA, for instance, that's another blue blood in the Pac-12, but the belief isn't there. And I know they don't have the recruiting class that Arizona has, but all these teams that were ahead of Arizona, Utah, was better than Arizona last year. Most teams are better than Arizona last year, and yet right. the, everybody understands the class Sean Miller brought in, his ability to coach, and there's this belief that even if you don't think Arizona's going to win the Pac-12 this season, there's this understanding that they're going to be a lot better, that it's not going to be like it was last season. So to me, fourth isn't bad for them. With the women's team, sixth is a great thing, too. shows the progress they've made after winning the women's NIT last season. So if you're an Arizona basketball fan, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume you are, then I don't think there's any reason to be upset right now. Just be excited for basketball season because it's a redemption year for the men's team and a you know building year, a progressive year for the women's team. And But yet more on the men's team. Now, fourth is fine. You're in the top third of the conference with a bunch of teams that, could you argue against Washington? Could you argue against Colorado? Could you argue against Oregon? Probably not. But you can certainly argue for Arizona if you want. Yeah, no, I, I think all of that's fair. And then also, too, yes, uh, women's basketball should not be omitted from this conversation. Uh, number six, finished, uh, excuse me, predicted to finish six in the conference, which is tremendous. Ada Barnes doing a fantastic job. Everybody Terrific remembers, job. Yeah, every, everyone remembers that run in the NIT that they had uh, basically coming after, you know, Arizona women's basketball has not been a thing for years. And so no. what they did last year has been very impressive and definitely hoping to continue that upward trajectory. Uh, Adam, let, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, let's, you know, we will have our guests on here in a sec to help us preview Washington. Uh, for anybody that missed the Colorado recap podcast earlier this week, go back, give it a good listen. Of course, Rob, uh, Rick, and Bryant did an excellent job, a, a more thorough, deep dive than what Adam and I are about to do. Um, but I'd be remiss if, if we did not at least uh, keep it high level and throw out our thoughts and really, you know, uh, how how impressive, I mean, honestly, after that Hawaii game, how impressive this team has been uh, up to date. Adam, I'm going to kick it your way first. Um, again, high-level thoughts on Colorado or what? Well, I know when we talked about that game going into it, I did not think Arizona was going to win. Mm-hmm. I couldn't pick them to go on the road and beat a pretty good team. And yet they were in this game the whole way, and outside of a couple of mistakes, the interception that led to a touchdown, Jamari Joyner stepping out of bounds on that kick return, Arizona might have blows in this one. So it was such a nice win to have because it wasn't like Arizona was trailing for a lot of the game. It wasn't like they were ahead a lot, but it was a close game. The type of game that they didn't win last season, and they did it on the road, and they made enough plays. They got the stops. Like That was as solid a win as you could expect from a team that's not dominantly good but is getting better. So if you're looking for progress, and you mentioned the Hawaii game, how no one saw this coming. No one saw them reeling off four straight wins, but... This Washington game, like UCLA was the deep 
defense against a bad opponent, fine. Uh, Texas Tech, that was just a solid game. It's not like Arizona's offense lit it up. Khalil Tate had a pretty poor game, all things considered. And, of course, NAU is NAU. But Colorado, 35-30, to with Khalil Tate having a monster game outside of one really dumb play, one really dumb throw, and the defense not being great, but finding a way to slow down a pretty good offense just enough to win. Like, that's, that was as impressive a win, I think, as Arizona's had in a long time. That, I mean, uh, Oregon at home last year, especially, you know, Oregon coming in ranked that whole bit. I mean, they, they certainly, that is probably the signature win on Kevin Sumlin's resume thus far. That felt fluky, though. Like, it, that it, felt fluky to me for a team that was just struggling to try to get to bowl eligibility. And, and I think that's fair. And it was somewhat fluky, too. If, if you remember, you think back, I don't want to spend too much time on recapping that game. But if you think back, I mean, honestly, Oregon really just crapped the bet on that because they, were, they kept us out of the end zone early on. And then they kind of just the wheels fell off, uh, you know, later in the game for them. And they clearly just threw in the towel. Uh, this yeah. is a game where it was really tough, right? This, this was a tough, gritty win by Arizona on the road, especially. I mean, I think that, I am not going to argue with somebody if they want to say that this is the best win that Kevin Sumlin has had at Arizona. Your thoughts on that? Well, I wouldn't argue with you either because it's a road game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We've seen Arizona at home come up with wins. And yeah, they, they beat, I think I tweeted after the game, like this wasn't a great win in so much that Colorado is the best team that Arizona is going to face. They're not. But for all things like that Oregon game last season, it, winning that game allowed Arizona to have a chance at ball eligibility. Sure, it got them there. But right now, any goal Arizona might have had is still in front of it. So to go on the road and win this game, to win your first Pac-12 road game against a pretty good team, not a great team, but a pretty good team, there's just so much that, you know, J.J. Taylor didn't play hardly just the one snap. Quill Tate missed their last game. So there was a lot going into this game, and just that was a solid performance. It didn't seem fluky to me. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned it, the Oregon game last year, just it seemed like Oregon played so spectacularly bad, and Arizona had a lot to do with it. But... Colorado wasn't playing bad in this game. No. Just Arizona was making plays offensively and defensively, and they made enough of them. And again, this game being on the road means everything to me because this is a game. Arizona won a road game last season. That was Oregon State. So this was a good team that they played on the road, and they beat them soundly. It wasn't fluky. It wasn't like it was just six turnovers or anything like that or missed field goals or anything like that. It was they beat Colorado in a solid effort, which to me just shows the continued growth of this football program. And that is what, to me, if you wanted to say it's the biggest win or that kind of signature, this could be it. I wouldn't argue with you at all. I, I think, and I don't want to step on the 12 pack guys too much because, again, they did a very good job breaking it down. But I think one point that they made that I, I, I cannot emphasize enough, I don't think it could be overstated, is is how they knew going in, Arizona's coaching staff knew going in, specifically Noel Mazzoni knew that Colorado's rush defense, their defense against the run, is, is, is good, right? Above average. Um, not having JJ Taylor obviously hurts, but you know, there is still a capable, capable stable of backs to maybe get something going. The offensive line has been playing well. Um, the game plan was clear that they were going to take advantage of that mediocre at best secondary and pass defense that they had excellent game plan. Once again, by Noel Mazzoni coming off the game against UCLA, basically just doing, drawing up the perfect game plan for Grant Gunnell to come in there, take care of business. And then he rolled it over to another, uh, you know, another conference game really took care of business there Adam this is a fantastic start I mean honestly um, you know after that Hawaii game like we talked about the NAU game you can't take too much from but this is a this is a four game winning streak overall a three game winning streak against power five opponents Uh, this is just I I, I guess after that Hawaii game if you would have told me that this was still going to happen I I don't know that I would have believed it 
Right. And of course, there's still one loss to Washington this weekend away from going, ah, the coaching staff's terrible. Mazzoni doesn't know what he's doing. Someone doesn't care. Yates can't coach his way out of a paper bag. Like, but that's the beauty of this winning streak is where none of us saw it coming. And right now, Arizona has four wins. They're two from bowl eligibility, which that's a very low bar, of course. But we're Arizona. It's still, it's, but yeah, it's, it's Arizona. <laughs> and that's just the progress. Again, like we watched them against Hawaii, and the further you get removed from that game, then we realized that, hey, Hawaii's not a bad team, and Arizona played them pretty tough. So if the hope is that you get better as the season goes on, Right now, and it, this is all, you know, everything is always one game away from being thrown away, right? If Arizona goes out, can't run the ball, can't stop anybody, Tate looks terrible, then it's like, oh, well, this is fluky because they're playing a pretty good team now. But these were things that just, you want, you needed to see this, rather. You needed to see these happen if you wanted to believe that Arizona was moving in the right direction. They, w- they would have to win games like this. They don't have to win every game. They don't have to pull off every upset. But they were an underdog at Colorado, and they won that game. So, when I look at them, that's what's exciting about it. Not that they're going to go win the Pac-12 South. I don't know anyone who's thinking that. that oh, they won four in a row. That's going to be another four, and Arizona's going to win. No, I don't think that's the case. But there's progress. There's genuine, discernible, obvious progress and a belief in this program that wasn't there a few weeks ago. What was I think I saw they tweeted, like as of recording, like 4,000 tickets available for the game on Saturday. Oh, is that people right? Are, that's great. People are starting to buy into this program, at least the buzz, the excitement, which wasn't there at all last season. It never had a chance to be. And that's what made this game against Colorado so huge is that this season could still be a really good one. Now everyone's definition of really good differs, but there's still hope for this season. And with every win that Arizona has, that hope continues and maybe even grows. All right, Adam. So, yeah, let's go ahead and pause it there. Uh, Let's go ahead and welcome on our guest to help us break down Washington in a pretty big matchup. Of course, Washington coming off the loss to Stanford. Uh, Granted, a road loss, but still a pretty surprising loss, I must say, after the way Stanford's been playing of late. Uh, But, Adam, before we do and welcome on our guest, uh, let's take a quick break to hear from a couple sponsors. All right, everyone. So to help us break down this week's matchup against Washington, we have Mr. Alex Tuttle on the line. He is one of our friends from the Dog Pod podcast. Alex, how you doing, man? Well, you know, it's I've had better days after that loss <laughs> down on the farm, but I'm uh, I've recovered nicely. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, so let's just hop into it. Uh, and of course, thanks so much for joining us. But, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, I mean, that, that one had me pretty, I, I didn't watch actually any of the game. Um, I, I was checking scores kind of, you know, like later, probably around halftime or so, uh, third quarter. And I noticed that Stanford was up 13 10, found that a little head scratching. Uh, but 100% expected you guys to pull that out. When I dove more into the numbers the next morning, it looked like, I mean, they just dominated the time of possession, really. I mean, it seemed like that's what it came down to. Um, I, I mean, I guess, really, what happened, Alex? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you got it. Uh, definitely in the first half, it was a little bit more of a tug-of-war back and forth. Stanford was definitely moving the ball, but how was having trouble finishing in the red zone, and that was kind of keeping Washington in the game. Their defense was really stepping up in the red zone there, but as that we got into the second half, uh, Husky suffered a pretty critical injury. Richard Newton, who was really running the ball really well in the in in the game, went out, and they just kind of went away from the run after that. And just you know, for whatever reason, Stanford really showed up in the secondary, even though they hadn't really done it against them all all year. Um, 
and we're really and and not only that, but just getting to the quarterback and and making Eason skittish behind the line just kind of threw off the offense quite a bit, and they just were completely shut out in the second half. So, you know, it was a really disappointing game. Washington just on defense, they kind of held and they did enough to win, but they've just carried this team so many times in the last four or five years. You know, it just they can't do it all, and they really needed some support from the offensive side. And it just the Huskies just didn't really have anything that was working, other than Richard Newton, who left the game in the third quarter. So it was overall a really disappointing loss. But and I I I agree with you, a total head scratcher. I mean, I didn't really see it coming either. But Stanford has always been a really tough place for Washington to play, and so it just you know it didn't come together. Hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, because I think you mentioned it where we all know Washington's lost a lot of talent on defense the last couple of years, mostly to the NFL, and you figure that Jacob Eason coming in, the Georgia transfer, can kind of maybe be that quarterback. You know, you've had some decent quarterbacks, but the thought was maybe this is the guy who's going to be able to take that offense to the next level. I know when the season began, he looked like he might have been that guy, and of course, against Stanford, he certainly wasn't that guy. Is it as easy to say maybe he's not the quarterback that Washington needs him to be, or was it just a blip in the radar, a bump in the road, just one game they can throw away and he's going to be fine the rest of the way, do you think? That's really tough to say right now. And I know it's kind of, you know, it's a cop out halfway into the season now, but against the three non-conference opponents of whom, you know, no one was really that notable, he really carved up those defenses and looked great doing it. But in the three conference games, he's definitely looked a lot more mortal. I think the combination of things, part of it is, I think uh, the offensive line protection hasn't been as good as kind of Husky fans were really hoping for. It's been fine. They're not like, um, you know, atrocious or anything, but just throwing him off his spots when Eason has his time to sit back there and really look at defense, he is, he's really carved them up. So I think that's a factor, but mostly I think what you'll see is the media and the fan really centered on criticism of the receivers at this point, but in the Stanford game, there wasn't a wide receiver other than Aaron Fuller that even caught a pass until after uh, midway into the fourth quarter, I think. So Fuller was kind of getting open, but even he, I think, had 18 targets and just nine catches. So just not converting, and drops were really letting them down. And Hunter Bryant was a guy, their tight end, who was supposed to be like kind of that all-American candidate at tight end. He just did, he played probably his worst game as a Husky with a few third-down drops early in the game. So I think that it's a common of things. I, I do think we need to see a little bit more before we can just write off Eason. I do think he's got the talent to uh, to succeed and to even be, you know, to lead the Huskies back into the conference conversation. But, uh, but right now, it sure doesn't look great. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I'm still somewhat convinced, Alex, that, that you guys are are the cream of the crop, honestly, as far as the Pac-12 is concerned. I know, you know, a lot of Oregon fans will take exception to that statement uh, until I see them, you know, no. up to this point, you know, they, they've been <laughs> doing fine. Um, but, uh, and they definitely choked away that Auburn game. But, you know, until I see them actually seal the deal with Justin Herbert under center, I mean, I think as far as I'm concerned, you guys are still 
that uh, the, the, the team to be reckoned with within the pack. I mean, Alex, I, I guess you know, I, we, we can kind of shift gears more towards uh, more, more towards Saturday. But, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, right, we, we touched on Jacob Eason there. Um, I'm, I'm curious. I haven't been that dialed in this season to Washington. I was certainly more dialed in to the Jake Browning years. What is the biggest difference between Jake Browning the last four years and then just the smaller sample size that we've seen so far with Jacob Eason? Well, that's a great question. I, I, Browning was definitely a guy who was a more cerebral quarterback. He was definitely doing a lot of things before the snap in the film room. He was kind of that film junkie type of guy. And he just, you know, was basically like Chris Peterson's like ideal quarterback. He just was, he was just a football junkie. Eason is kind of a little bit more of a swashbuckler kind of just knows he can throw it and jam it in there into tight windows. And so he's been a little bit more, um, I think they just have kind of different approaches. And part of that, I think, has made Chris Peterson, he just doesn't quite trust Eason, I don't feel like, the same way that he trusted Jake Browning. And so I look at that and, and I just think that there's some room there for them to kind of take the, the shackles off of Eason. They can still kind of open things up a little in the way they just have been reticent to do. I personally just think they're a little bit more afraid of turning the ball over uh, with Eason. And so they're just, they've been a lot more cautious. Um, but, you know, uh, you might get fans and, and media and other people that disagree with that a little bit. It's certainly not um, something he said in the press conferences, but just something that I think a close observer would probably look at and raise an eyebrow. And how much has that changed? I guess the way, Washington is because when we think of Washington, Arizona hasn't played Washington for a couple of seasons now. And we've seen them and we've heard them the last few years. It's great defense and offense that usually could do just enough, but it was totally reliant on that defense locking people down. Who is Washington this season without some of that defense, with that more swashbuckling quarterback who maybe Peterson doesn't have complete trust in? Who are the Washington Huskies of this season? Yeah, I think that is a, another great question. I, I expected, you know, the defense to reload a little bit more quickly. They definitely had a great game against USC, um, but they have had other times when, you know, they've looked pretty mortal, like a few drives against Cal and definitely uh, this week against Stanford. So I don't think that they can just rear back and rely on that defense to get them off the field three and out the way they could in the past. So I think they were really hoping to rely on their offense a little bit more uh, to carry the team. And that just kind of hasn't really, you know, taken shape the way they wanted it to. The running game has been pretty good, but they just don't seem to be able to stick with one guy and really, uh, you know, ride him the way they did with miles Gaskin last season. I mean, Salman right. Ahmed had a career day against SC, but most of that was an 88 yard touchdown run. So, you know, it's just, they've kind of, made themselves a little bit more reliant on, I guess, big plays and, you know, against the better defenses like Cal, maybe Stanford's in that conversation now. It just hasn't quite uh, transpired that way. All right, Alex. So let's go ahead and shift gears specifically to personnel stuff on Saturday. Um, let's go ahead and start with the matchup of the uh, Washington's offense versus U of A's defense. Um, you know, you mentioned running back Newton, who's having a very productive year, but not quite up to up to par with uh, with with Selvin Ahmad. Um, I guess as as far as you know, it. it 
I guess let, let's just start with injuries, right? Is he expected to play? Beyond that, who are some of the other key players that U of A fans should be looking for? Yeah, I think um, Selvan Ahmed is kind of, you know, their bell cow at this point because they had really been relying for about, you know, five to ten carries a game on a freshman named Richard Newton who's really kind of had a breakout season. He's been their goal line guy. I think he scored something like seven touchdowns. So with the Newton, I would not expect to play. So I expect we're going to see a lot of Ahmed. The other guy you might see is Sean McGrew, who pretty highly recruited player out of California, but definitely on the smaller end. And he, um, you know, is not necessarily the bruiser, or the physical runner that Newton was. So, um, you know, I think those are the guys that they're running with. I think Washington fans would like to see them really, okay, let's pound the rock. Let's give it to Ahmed 20, 25 times. Um, because he's been their most productive player when he's gotten those kinds of opportunities. So I think that's something that'll be part of their game plan. And, of course, facing an Arizona defense that doesn't have a reputation for being stout. Of course, they've been better the last few weeks. Would that be the game plan, you think, if you're Chris Peterson, if you're planning for the Arizona Wildcats, that's how you attack them? I think in an ideal world, Peterson would always want to be just completely balanced. But that does mean a lot more running, I think, than than most teams in the today's Pac-12. Um, you know, with that said, with the, uh, with the passing game as kind of wounded as it was last week, I think it might be kind of time to rely a little bit more on their running game. So, yeah, I would expect that to be in the game plan. Moving on, I, I guess, you know, I, Aaron Fuller is the headline receiver. You know, you mentioned that the receiving core in general really struggled against Stanford, didn't really get going until later on. By that time, it was too late. Um, you know, every, everyone knows Aaron Fuller. In my mind, uh, seeing a little bit of Aaron Fuller reminds me a lot of Dante Pettis. Obviously, Dante Pettis is now uh, playing on Sundays for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, beyond Aaron Fuller, uh, you know, you mentioned the tight end, Hunter Bryant. Um, you know, beyond those two, what what are we really looking at in terms of depth and then trust with Jacob Eason? Well, uh, I think prior to this week, not much. You haven't seen any of those guys really do much. And uh, there's been a lot of clamoring for, at least among the fans, and that's translated to some of the media, clamoring for some of the freshmen and sophomores that they've really recruited Um you know, who have been really highly ranked guys. And uh, so I, I think we could see a little bit more of a guy like Puka Nakua this week, who's a true freshman. They've already burned his red shirt. Um, he was considered kind of one of the more college ready. They're kind of intimating that they might throw a little bit more his way. There's a guy named Austin Osborne, who is your freshman, who, uh, or he's registered in, in any case. And he, um, he had a great spring. And with all the receivers banged up, um, you know, he really shined. And so I think he could be a guy who could be looking at an opportunity here. But other than that, I mean, the guys who have been in the lineup, like Andre Bocelli, he's got a lot of speed, but hasn't really gotten open to the point where Easton's trusted him enough. Bryant is a guy who, you know, has had his great moments um, and has really torn apart some teams, but has struggled a little bit against stiffer competition this year. Uh, there's been some rumors that he's kind of na- got a nagging injury or something along those lines. So, um, you know, there's definitely lots of choices. It's just a matter of who, if they want to go and pick one of these guys and stick with them. 
other side of the ball defensively, who are we supposed to be looking at as Arizona people? Because obviously we know what Arizona's offense can do with Khalil Tate, with J.J. Taylor, if he's healthy, the receivers they have. They've been pretty good. But defensively, of course, Washington is never a slouch, even if they've suffered a bit of a talent drain the last couple seasons. Yeah, and I would actually say their secondary has pretty much picked right up where it was. I mean, there's definitely some freshmen, and you've seen a mistake or two a game that has kind of led to some uh, big plays that is uncharacteristic, but they're pretty talented. Trent McDuffie, Elijah Molden, those guys are uh, at corner. Those guys are both, I think, capable of being all conference. So I, I think those guys are, uh, you know, kind of the strength of the Washington defense. The weakness I would say is definitely the linebacking core, and they had a lot of trouble, um, you know, with Cameron Scarlett last week. And I could see them having a lot of trouble with the side-to-side uh, Khalil Tate, you know, kind of getting in an open field uh, with some of those speedy guys like Tate and Taylor. So, um, you know, I think that's a big opportunity for Arizona this week. You know, I guess beyond uh, t- taking that uh, a step further, right, I mean, I, w- it's very obvious that this Washington defense is pretty young, right, having lost uh, Byron Murphy, Taylor Rapp, right, Greg Gangs, et cetera. I mean, a, a handful of these guys, uh, key impact players last year are now playing in the NFL. Um, I, I guess you mentioned the linebacking core. Now I know, you know, there are still a couple notable names within the linebacking core, right? You know, the Brandon, well- Brandon Wellington, the Ryan Bowman. I mean, I guess what has been the biggest issue within the linebacking core? I mean, is it simply depth or these guys just kind of haven't really picked up from where last year's team left off? Yeah. I mean, you had a guy last year, Ben Burkirvin, who was an all American who's now playing for the Seahawks who just, who I think he led the nation in tackles last year. I mean, he just cleaned up everything uh, once it got to the second level, and he was really there everything. And that was a huge loss. And so inside linebacker, they're just particularly weak. Outside linebacker, they've been okay, but it's just like you have a guy on the field like Ryan Bowman, who's maybe more of a run-stuffing guy, and then you have a guy like Joe Tryon, who's a little bit more of a pass-rush guy. So, you know, you, they don't necessarily have a complete player at that position right now. So, you know, it's easy for teams, I think, to, to see what personnel is out there and kind of call plays accordingly. I think that's what Stanford did really well last week. They got us into some mismatches and things like that. Um, and, you know, up front on the D-line, though, I'd say the Huskies are very stout and they're very talented. They're just a little bit young there, too, and... Um, so they, they, even though they've kind of got the talent, you've seen them have breakdowns on the, in the running game and things like that. So I think that's definitely something to watch out for Saturday. Now, Arizona, even though they've won four in a row and Washington's lost that game, Arizona's still the underdog in this one. And I understand it. I'm not saying I'm going to pick Arizona to win this one either, but there's one thing I know about Washington is that when they travel to the state of Arizona, it's a struggle. A couple of years ago, they lost 13 to seven. Right, thirteen to seven to ASU. The year before, they beat Arizona, a bad Arizona team, in overtime. Year before, or two years before that, lost to Arizona. I think we all remember that game with the field goals and mm-hmm. why didn't you kneel on the ball and the fumble. And then the year before that, just got housed in Tempe. What is it about Washington and the Grand Canyon State that don't mix? You know, I wish I knew because I would try to get that message to Chris Peterson this week. Uh, <laughs> so the players are always different, even different teams that they're playing, and yet. For some reason, they just they struggle here. 
historically. Yeah, and I I don't know how to I don't know how to describe it honestly because it goes beyond just Peterson. I mean, Sarkeesian yeah. really got I mean got his ass kicked in in, in the state of Arizona several times, um, and some of our you know really just toughest losses over the years, like the 92 desert swarm down there, you know, and that was Don James, uh, and the, you know, maybe and an undefeated number one ranked Tusky team. So, yeah. you know, I don't know how to describe it. it if, if for the fans, I know it definitely cuts deeper than just the last like three or four games. This has been going sure. on decades. So, so I think everybody's got there and, uh, and you know, Huskies just have to figure it out there, especially in a week like this, where they're coming off a really tough loss and looking their wounds. I think they just have to redouble their efforts and focus and just say, hey, you know, we, we can't take anybody lightly, no matter if we're a touchdown favorite or not. And, and I hope that's their mentality this week. But as you guys know, in the Pac-12 and in any college football, it's tough to go on the road two weeks in a row. So uh, if they come out looking flat, I'm not going to be surprised. <laughs> and I wouldn't be upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I think one thing, and Adam, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, and, and I'm going to speak for you on this sense. Um, I, I think one thing that we've noticed with this Arizona team over the last two years, we'll be able to tell early on. On if it's going to be a close game or if we just oh, play yeah. out flat and we're going to pack it in, um, so I, I do think that that you know it's definitely helpful. You know this four game winning streak, fine. You know that all of that's great, um, but this is this is probably going to be the toughest challenge that we've had to date. That Colorado game, you know, Colorado is no slouch. You know they definitely deserve a lot of credit, especially going on the road, getting that getting that victory uh, definitely means something for this team. But as far as you know, the the, the talent disparity i think between the rosters i mean chris peterson has just been slaying the recruiting trail now i know granite you know washington is very young this year i, I would still argue they are definitely more talented zona currently is um with that said you know vegas of course uh, washington is favored by nine and a half points it opened at nine and a half uh, i checked earlier today and that has dropped three points there's a lot of money going towards arizona um you know the, it, the line's the line you know whatever uh this question is specifically geared towards who's going to win the game. Alex, now's the time for your prediction. How do you see Saturday unfolding? I mean, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend after the Stanford game, and, and they were like, you know, now I'm really worried about Arizona. And, you know, of course, I, I, I'm worried anytime this team goes on the road because it's been um, kind of uh, tough for them. But, you know, this is the Pac-12, and it just feels like every, every result that you think you can predict you know, it doesn't come to pass. So, mm. you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Washington in a close one. Cause I'm, I, I'm, I'm a self-professed Homer, but <laughs> I, I don't think any in the air, this thing is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And, and Adam and I are predictions here uh, shortly, but uh, just part of, of these segments uh, with our guests is uh, definitely curious, you know, definitely curious what, what that final prediction is going to be for you. So um, Alex, I mean, that's all we got at this point, man. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, do, do you, do you want to give a quick plug uh, for your podcast Twitter handle where people can follow you? Yeah, they can find us uh, at DogPod on Twitter and on iTunes. And uh, I am on Twitter at, at LawDogPod, L-A-W-D-A-W-G-P-O-D. And, uh, yeah, we do a weekly uh, show, just breaking down the Huskies. And uh, we try to keep it 30 minutes, but then we kind of do a little Pac-12 roundup afterwards. Sure. 
Um, nothing like a uh, colleague, Brian, over at 12-Pack Radio, who does a really good job. But, uh, you know, we try to just talk about the context of the conference and other things, and occasionally we'll throw in topics in there. Uh, that are kind of discussing, like, for example, the California state law. We're probably going to talk about that in an upcoming show. Sure. So, um, you know, stuff like that we'll throw around. So definitely appreciate you guys uh, putting this together. And, uh, yeah, I'll be down in Tucson on Saturday. So uh, I hope you don't uh, break my heart too badly. Give it a shot. All right. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Best of luck, Alex. And then, of course, you know, basketball season right around the corner. Pac-12 media day just happened. Um, And we're going to have to have you come back on, you know, uh, once once uh, once the Huskies take on the Wildcats, once we get in the thick of uh, conference play for basketball. So uh, best of luck on Saturday, man. And uh, thanks again for joining us. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks. All right, Adam, let's go ahead and take a quick break to hear from a couple more sponsors. All right, Adam. So good stuff from Alex. Um, you know, and, and we'll obviously get to our predictions here shortly. Um, how do you, f- after hearing him, because I actually, I'll ask this. Did you have a chance to watch the Washington Stanford game? I did not. No. Okay. And I feel like I probably didn't miss much. <laughs> yeah, the one right. thing, and it's kind of anytime you get someone after a loss, they're going to feel a little bit different about their team, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. that's, that's just how it is. The vibe around Washington can't be a good one right now, but I just, I can't be that down on them because I know that they're a good program. I know they were in the top 25 just last week. Like this is a team that matchup wise is so interesting for Arizona. That's something that I kind of looked at with Washington's schedule, the teams that they struggled with some of these bigger teams, the teams that slow things down. You had Cal, you had Stanford. Arizona's not one of those teams. No, they're not a big team. They're not going to bully you. So matchups are such a thing. And I don't know. I think I'd rather Washington have one last week because they don't lose two in a row hardly ever. And it'd be nice if they were ranked for Arizona to play. Like it's, I don't like getting them off a loss. And I understand why they're, the vibe there is down. I just, I have a hard time being down on them myself. So I, I think that's fair. And, and, and like I said to Alex, I mean, I am still in the camp of Washington is, is, is the best team in the North. Now I know at this point they're, they're two games behind Oregon and that's going to, they still have their head to head, um, which will come into play. And I do trust that Oregon will slip up somewhere else along the way. Um, but in order for Washington to capitalize on a PAC 12 North championship, um, that, that requires them also not slipping up again later. Right. Um, right. So I, I think that, you know, that we're, we're so early in the season. I mean, for them, you know, they're at the halfway point, but, um, you know, road games, what have you for the rest of their season. I mean, they're still going to be tested specifically here in this game too. Now I'm with you now, if this, you know, I, I believe that Jacob Eason is an upgrade from Jake Browning. I was never a big Jake Browning fan. I think that even some of the, some of the Washington fans would tell you, you know, like he just, and I think you said it in Alex's interview, I think, you know, he did just enough to win, right? It was always about the defense and Chris Peterson has just done a tremendous job on the defensive side of the ball with recruiting and just getting these players in position to succeed with that team. Um, Jacob Eason and Aaron Fuller is a pretty interesting matchup. Uh, you know, or I guess I should say pairing, um, as far as, you know, I, I think no Newton, that, that definitely helps. Cause I didn't realize yes. that, that Newton was probably not going to play. Um, aside from that, I mean, Ahmed is still there and he is still a good back. Um, but I think aside from that, I, I just, I struggle to see these other playmakers, maybe like we've seen in years past, you know, like the Miles Gaskins, um, you know, like the, 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 their big tight ends. I know Hunter Bryant's there and that's kind of a staple to the Chris Peterson model as well of having this stud tight end to help, you know, kind of just shake things up, create mismatches on the defense. I, 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 I think though that Alex did 
mention something that is definitely in our favor, and it kind of goes, it kind of falls in line with the point that I made earlier about Noel Mazzoni now going two for two in the last two games of just constructing just the most optimal game plan possible. Mm-hmm. Um, he has found ways to exploit weaknesses on the defense. And Alex mentioned that one of the biggest problems that the Washington defense has is, is, is run stopping, right? Just yeah, the linebackers, the especially yeah. the linebackers, especially. And if you look at what Stanford did last week, now I know of course, Stanford, you know, they have more of that prototype that you said, like the NFL prototype, right? Those, those big, just thick, uh, just perfect for the NFL trench players. Our offensive line has been playing very well, and Kevin Sumlin, of course, has done a great job in bulking up both sides of the ball, but staying on the offensive side. I actually think with J.J. Taylor or without J.J. Taylor, I think that there's enough diversity within that stable of backs to really give them a hard time, and especially if Quill Tate's going to get things running, uh, literally, right? Like, especially if he's mm-hmm. going to get running. Um, and th- I mean, if that's the case, then... Khalil Tate's going to have a night. You know, if that running game can get going, not even specifically his running game, but just more in specifically like U of A's running game, that's going to open things up quite a bit for for the uh, for for the receivers. And I, I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm not ready to say <laughs> what our prediction is yet, but I I feel a lot better. It, it seems like each passing week from the start of the season up till now, I felt more uh, more convinced that. Uh, this is this very well could be a reality that Arizona takes care of business. Yeah, this seems like a winnable game, and and that wasn't the case a few weeks ago. And Arizona's played their way into that. I think it's even less about what Washington's done. Well, yeah, they lost to Stanford. That was a bad loss, but you can kind of forgive that. But Arizona looks better than we expected. Or at least they look to be the team that we were hoping they would have been when the season started. And when we made our predict- predictions, I had them for seven wins, but I had them being five and zero oh at this point. And then it's like, well, then they're going to start losing some games. But the way they've done it by losing that first game and the way Arizona's bounced back, how they've looked, how they've gotten better in so many facets, it's like they didn't run the ball well against Colorado, but it didn't matter because they were doing those passes and Khalil Tate was taking the checkdowns. He was being safe. I said he had one really bad throw, and that's growth from him. And it's growth from the coaching staff, figuring out what the best way for this team to win because it used to be they had to run for 175 yards a game to beat a good team. They just had to get that going. They don't have to anymore. At least they didn't have to last week. So that's the exciting thing to me is that I, I'm with you. I have a hard time being ready to predict this one because Washington has more talent than Arizona does. But the talent Arizona has when it's clicking at a high level, playing like it has, especially Khalil Tate being healthy and being effective, it changes the entire game. And Washington's not exactly the most impressive team we've seen. Eason's been fine. He's been better than Browning was as far as, and that's what Jake mentioned, or Alex mentioned, my bad. Alex mentioned was the idea that they're more offensive focused than they used to be. But when that's the case, it also leaves you more susceptible for some of those turnovers. And if your defense can't slow Arizona, like, do we think that Washington's going to stop Arizona? Probably not. And in that event, I would trust the Wildcats in a shootout. Mm-hmm. especially at home, especially at home. And I, yeah. I, I do think that that I mean, there, there's something else that plays into it. And I even said to Alex, like, I don't like putting too much stock into the whole notion of the desert dogs. Um, because I mean, you know, the last time, the last time Washington was here, well, I know. Okay. So Washington played, of course, the overtime game that we lost in 2016. Mm-hmm. A lot of those guys are gone. Uh, the following year when they lost at ASU, a lot of those guys are probably gone. I mean, there's still going to be a handful of them that are there because that was a year later. Um, and then I can't remember that. I think that was 
then the, that same year that they, Washington came back for the Fiesta Bowl and lost to Penn State. So, you know, there, there's that number floating around that basically yeah. uh, basically Washington hasn't won, uh, has, hasn't won in the state of Arizona against either school <laughs> and then including bowl games since like the late 90s or something. Very Which well, is could crazy. Be, that is crazy. But again, I don't want to necessarily put too no, much I mean, they, they beat that, Arizona yeah, before the 2016 game. No, but that's, that's what's funny about some of these streaks, though. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe it's a travel thing. Yeah, maybe it's just when they're catching these teams, whether it's Arizona or ASU, but certainly like there shouldn't be anything there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that doesn't mean there isn't for whatever. And like they have to know that <laughs> they watch the film from Arizona. They know what's happened. They know what Arizona's doing. They know what happened at ASU last season. Like that's not or a couple of seasons ago, rather like they know these things. And either they played in the game or they know one of their teammates did or something. It's, it shouldn't have any bearing on the game, but you better believe if Arizona gets off to a fast start in this game, is up seventeen to three, twenty-one to seven. Mm. That thought's going to creep into people's minds. Number one, the fans in the stands are like, "Oh yeah," you know. You have the Washington fans who'll be there. Alex will be there. He'll be like, "Oh no," <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and if you're Chris Peterson, it's like not again. Mm. So there's a level that it shouldn't matter. And if Washington goes up big early on, then it won't matter, obviously. But you better believe if that's the case, where Arizona's either in the game and it's close, or Arizona's up early. The TV broadcast is going to show that history, too. Like, everyone knows it. It's not a secret. Even if you didn't play in the game, you know how it's been for the Washington Huskies in the state of Arizona. All right, Adam. Let, let's stop teasing the listeners here. Uh, you want to go first or you want me? I, th- I think we've actually had a lot of success with me going first. So sh- should we keep that up? So however we've done it the last four weeks, we should probably do it that way. Well, yeah. you picked a win last week. I picked a loss, and that worked. Yeah, right. So, then, but so, we've, we've alternated before at times, so I guess uh, there's, no, there's nothing there. Uh, okay, if you feel that way, it'll be tested this week. So if you go first and we lose, then I'm going first every other time. Does that work? Uh, uh, we, can, we can try that. You want we, that pressure? Can, it seems like a lot oh, of pressure. Oh, boy, I'm trying to think of a number. <laughs> I, uh, do they go with the head or the heart? Because even the head's not even sure what, what's going to happen here. I, I see this as such an interesting game for Arizona <laughs> for all the reasons we've talked about, just the dichotomy of a team that one looks like it's on the rise, another that just fell flat on his face last week. I have a feeling that Washington coming off that loss, they're not going to be overlooking Arizona, but that crowd might help balance things out. I, I, you know what? I'm going to say 31 to 27 Washington. Nice. Oh, um, Washington. Oh. Yeah. I, Hey, it worked for us last week. If you're going to pick Arizona, then I just, it's kind of like I'm in that prove it mode for Arizona. I love what they've been doing. And I fully expect them to make a bowl game this year. I have to see at least two more wins with them, Oregon State, and maybe it's this one. But I'm just not ready to say, okay, last week they checked off to beat a pretty good team on the road. Now I want to see them beat a good team at home. Yeah. And if um, they do that, then I, if they beat Washington, yeah, then I don't think Arizona's going to lose over the rest of the season. That's I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is that type of game for me. It's like it's another prove it one for them. And I fully expect you to pick Arizona now, and I'm going to hope you're right. I am. I am going to take Arizona. Actually, ah, he's and doing it. I, I'm. I'm going to do it. And again, I. I, I do understand. You know, it would have been nice to kind of catch Washington off guard because now they're back up on their guard after that Stanford game. But again, if if you look exactly what happened, and, and I, I haven't watched the game, but just based off of you know what we see in the box score in terms of the time of possession, the way Stanford just found success running the ball, uh, it kind of confirms what Alex had said. The weakness of this defense is um, kind of maybe even too just just like the. 
the lack of weapons offensively, it being a home game for Arizona, it just really feels like all signs are pointing to Arizona in this one. I, you know, I, I guess in terms of a score, I'm, I'm always terrible at this. I, I guess I would say something maybe like, I don't know, maybe like, maybe like 38, 31, 38, 34, Arizona, something like that. I, I do expect it to be close. Um, but I guess my biggest thing is, you know, obviously underscore the fact that I think Arizona is going to win. Um, and, and I think now, Adam, if, if we kind of shift focus here now, let, let's assume win or loss, right? I, I guess either way, um, how do you feel? I guess I shouldn't say either way. If, if it's a close fought, a close fought loss and just, you know, uh, whatever, a win's a win. I'm not going to blow out or close, yeah. you know, whatever wins a win. Take either um, one. If you, you know, you take a, clo- a, a, a hard fought loss or just a win. What does that do still for the trajectory, just for the psyche of the fan base? How does that set things up moving forward? I guess that's tough because we know Arizona fans, like many, are front-running fans. <laughs> They're going to nearly sell out the stadium, if not sell it out, because Arizona's won four in a row. Mm-hmm. So you lose this game, I guess. Arizona loses this game. Their next two are on the road at USC and at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Do they lose both of those? Is Arizona now a four-and-four football team? It's possible. And that, what does that do for that, right? So that's what part of what makes this game so big, too, is that you win this game. Again, it's another win. It's a good win at home. But it keeps that momentum going. It keeps those positive vibes. So even if it's a close loss, like, I don't think honestly, it wouldn't ruin Arizona's season because you're not supposed to win this game. But it is a home game, which means you're supposed to have a better chance than some others. So you know, if they go out there and just get housed, you know, it's 41-7, to seven, it's like, okay, who, what, what happened there? Yeah. But if it's a close game where maybe a field goal here, uh, a great play by someone, that, that's football. Like that, that happens. It should be a fairly close game. Neither one of these teams should blow out the other one, barring a fluky situation. Like when Arizona just destroyed Oregon last year, that, that shouldn't happen in this game either way. Mm-hmm. So I'd expect it to be close. And in that case, if Arizona shows up and plays hard, a somewhat clean game, doesn't turn the ball over tons of times, commit silly penalties all over the place. And it's like, okay, if you just get beat by a better team, you got beat by a better team, but you want to make sure that if you're Arizona, you played a good game too. Because if you play your best and it's not good enough, then I know it's coach speak, but you deal with that. I can live but with if that. You're, but if you're Arizona, you don't want to feel like you left it out there. You don't want to feel like you should have walked away with a win. I, you know, that it was some turnover or some dropped touchdown or J.J. Taylor getting the ball knocked out of his hands and he's just running to the end zone at the goal line by UCLA. Like, you don't want those types of plays because then you'll feel like, ah, we should have won that game. We should be 5-1 and one right now. Mm-hmm. So, but play, just play a clean game. Play like they had the last few weeks. Put it all together. Because they've done so many good things the last four games, especially the last three, where if that can combine into that effort, if they did against Colorado, I think Arizona's going to win the game. Yeah. Because that was as good a game as I've seen, a complete game, as we've seen them play in a long time. So the potential is there, but that's where it's just, just show me, do it, because I can't pick them. But even a close loss, a close well-played loss, doesn't change the fact that this team is progressing. Mm-hmm. It's not always going to be a win. You can still be getting better even if you lose. All right, Adam. So let's go ahead. We're going to stop there, wrap it up right there. Um, good luck, right? Uh, I, I just <laughs> It's a big one. It, it, it is. It is. And I really hope this time next week when, when we're circling back that, um, I mean, obviously we're, we're talking about something really fun that happened over the weekend. Five and one would be really nice. Four and two is still actually really good, right? So I hate to say that we're playing with house money because at this point, uh, you know, as, as, as you start, as, as you continue to as you continue to collect wins, um, you kind of now put yourself in position where it's like, all right, you're starting to get a little buzz. You're kind of starting to catch some national attention. I mean, five and one would definitely do that. Riding a five. That's how 2014 worked. 
Yeah. You know, you never thought that they were going to win the Pac-12 South until all of a sudden Arizona was playing for the Pac-12 South. Yep, exactly. A game that included a home win over Washington, or a season that had a home win over Washington. So, yeah, no, keep winning. You have Khalil Tate. If Arizona wins this game, I can see them landing in the top 25, depending on how things go. So, sure. it's for a lot of reasons, it's a huge game. And we don't have to tell people why it's a huge game. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah, they, they could figure it out for sure. Pretty easy. Uh, all right, everyone. So, enjoy the game. Be safe and bear down.